this evening I would like to say a few things about um, wise effort. I don't mean something different from right effort. It's just uh, an attempt to qualify right effort. If we uh, think of it in terms of wise effort, what happens is that uh, the understanding, which is the foundation of right effort, becomes more ap apparent. Uh, right effort is right when it's, to some extent, wise, when it is rooted in some understanding and when uh, it promotes, generates further understanding. Uh, and this is why right effort uh, is such an important uh, factor in the Eightfold Path. Wise effort, effort which comes from wisdom and goes into further wisdom. Energy, virya, is another way which this tradition uses to refer to effort. The energy which is necessary to meditate in the right way. It's been observed that in the uh, most complete list of uh, what are called aids to enlightenment, Bodhiangani, this list of 37 um, elements. The dimension of effort, of energy, is uh, mentioned, I think, nine times, and it's the one which uh, is mentioned more, even more than mindfulness. I think comes second with seven or eight mentions. This is a you know curiosity, statistic curiosity, but it's um, um, revealing. And to me, it is revealing of uh, a very concrete, a very realistic aspect of the Buddhist path. This frequent, although simple and sober, mention of energy, effort, and the training of the energy, the training of effort, the cultivation of effort. The emphasis on that uh, word, right, so essential, that's the direction of the training making effort into being more and more right. It may be that uh, for some people, or maybe for many people, um, at the beginning, 
hearing the mention of effort um, doesn't uh, elicit the, um, this kind of positive impression I'm talking about. Uh, effort smacks of sweat and dust. And so uh, we, uh, we like hearing right mindfulness, right uh, samadhi. Um, but right effort is like a counterclimax, something uh, we maybe wouldn't like it to be there. But then as the time goes by, we begin to appreciate that. The art of the right effort, the, the art of cultivating effort. Just as a introductory remarks, I would like to share a couple of reflections since this is a group of uh, non-beginners. Um, the uh, first reflection is that in the Eightfold Path, right effort is included in the section technically called meditation, samadhi. However, the training that we get in formal meditation, the training of effort that we get in formal meditation, has to go into everyday life. For example, we are making an effort during the day here to go back to the breath as much as we can. This kind of effort should translate into everyday life into an effort to go back to the present moment as much as we can. And as many of us know, the effort to go back to the present moment gradually, if we keep practicing, turns into the joy of going back to the present moment. But at the beginning, this was not a joy. It was an effort because uh, fantasizing and daydreaming appeared to be more pleasant then we learned, thanks to right effort, that the present moment was more enjoyable than fantasies. So from using and training and cultivating and refining right effort in formal practice to using and refining right effort in everyday life, this is very essential understanding. Then number two is that I think for most of us, wise effort is going to be a lifetime companion, a lifetime partner. Maybe not for everyone. Maybe some of us will go beyond and uh, land into total effortlessness. 
But for those of us who won't, right effort is going to be a lifetime partner. And uh, an important turning point in our spiritual life, in our inner work, is understanding that this is not a curse. is <laughs> <laughs> actually getting more and more familiar, more and more friends with this crucial ingredient. Literally, the taste, the, the, the joy of refining this instrument is very important. Cultivating, bhavana. Bhavana means making into being. So we start from an, mm, some sort of an abstraction, right effort, wise effort. And gradually we uh, turn to a living reality. Wise effort becomes more and more a living thing. So it's not, it's not a burden at all. We take pleasure in examining it, in studying it, in wanting to share it. We wouldn't have thought like this at the beginning. And then one more point, one more general point. The training of right effort has very much to do with making effort an object of mindfulness. See, we can easily fall into a trap of seeing these two, two dimensions as separate. Here we have right mindfulness and here we have right effort. Am I working at effort or am I working at mindfulness? Actually, effort is a state of mind, mind-body, and should become an object of mindfulness. Sometimes effort can be suffering. Say, if we want to meditate more, or if we have decided to talk to someone because uh, that is the right thing to do. Right effort applied to everyday life, right? So there is a state of contraction, maybe, a state of suffering because of uh, this effort. Now, mindfulness should penetrate. And the more mindfulness enters the state of effort, and the more right that effort becomes, the more we bring mindfulness to this production, generation of energy, 
effort is generating energy. And the more, how can we say it, the emptier, in a, in, you know, in a positive sense, effort becomes. If we don't have mindfulness cooperating with effort, effort is like a solid thing. But if we bring accurate mindfulness to the state of effort, then effort become more relaxed, emptier, less a solid thing which we are shifting from, the, from here to, to, to here. Uh, become something closer to pure energy. And uh, maybe this concept which we bring with us effort uh, tends to evaporate. We don't think of it in terms of effort. I am making the effort. See, see the incredible uh, solidity and uh, separation which is uh, in this, uh, present in these words. The dukkha, the suffering. I, I, my, I'm making the effort. But where, where, where are all these things? I, myself, here, the effort there. If we um, succeed in being, um, in having some steady and continuous mindfulness, there's energy there productive energy, it is different from this pain and conflict of I am doing the effort. So bringing mindfulness to the effort helps the effort becoming right effort, helps the effort becoming wise effort. Understanding and effort. Motivation and effort. In other words, the two crucial foundations for wise effort are understanding and motivation. The more we understand why we practice, the readier we are to make the effort. The more motivated we are to practice, the more ready we are to make the effort. The more we know why we practice and what is the aim of our practice, the easier the effort becomes. And this is why in the Eightfold Noble Path, right effort is not at the beginning. At the beginning we have right understanding and right intention. Then we have the morality part, and then we have right effort and uh, right mindfulness and right samadhi. The Eightfold Path is not, um, is not a line, is a circle, is a spiral. So from some understanding and some motivation, we have, we develop some effort, and then 
the effort helps us deepen the practice, which brings new understanding, new uh, strengthening of intention, and so on and so on. Okay, when we talk about basic understanding, which is necessary to facilitate effort, what are we talking about? I think this description by Pema Chodron, uh, a Western nun uh, who belongs to the um, Tibetan tradition, is nice. The innocent mistake that keeps us caught in our own particular style of ignorance, unkindness, and shutdownness is that we are never encouraged to see clearly what is with gentleness. Instead, there is a kind of basic misunderstanding that we should try to be better than we already, already are, that we should try to improve ourselves, that we should try to get away from painful things, and that if we could just learn how to get away from the painful things, then we would be happy. That is the innocent, naive misunderstanding that we all share, which keeps us unhappy. I personally like very much this word innocent misunderstanding, because, see, again, this is an issue of right understanding. Once we understand that it is innocent. It's not our fault that we tend to stick to the pleasant and to run away from the unpleasant. Then everything is easier. But if we judge ourselves, everything is more difficult. So once we see the innocence of this misunderstanding, uh, our path becomes less complicated. Actually, I think we are pretty ahead on the path once we feel the innocence of it all. Once we uh, start getting rid of our heavy guilt feelings about the way we are and what we do and why we do. Meditation is about seeing clearly the body that we have, the mind that we have, the domestic situation that we have, the job that we have, and the people who are, who are in our lives. It's about seeing how we react to all these things. It's seeing our emotions and thoughts just as they are right now in this very moment, in this very room, on this very seat. It is about not trying to make them go away, not trying to become better than we are, but just seeing clearly with precision and gentleness. Seeing clearly with precision and gentleness. Often, we don't see clearly, we don't see with precision, and we don't see with gentleness. And that's called, again, dukkha, suffering.
But to the extent that we develop some capacity for seeing and some capacity for seeing in the right way, namely with precision and gentleness, then uh, our motivation for right effort increases. And right effort takes us to deepening the seeing with precision and gentleness, because it gives us more energy to do so. It's uh, like a virtuous circle. In terms of basic right understanding, right understanding as the foundation of right effort at the beginning of the path, what seems to me to be essential is some understanding of the area of attachment and the area of aversion. Let's uh, think of an example. Suppose we want to apply right effort to develop a good mindfulness, a healing mindfulness of our anger. Okay, so we want to be more mindfulness of our anger, and in order to be more mindfulness, more mindful of our anger, we need energy, we need right effort, we need effort, right? If we don't understand what is giving uh, fuel to our anger, we can easily get stuck and we keep noting anger, 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 <laughs> anger and uh, we summon all our energies and, uh, and develop more effort and we have anger and anger and anger. But if we see, for instance, that we are actually attached to our anger, and that's a step in understanding which facilitates the effort because at this point, we understand that mindfulness should be applied to our attachment to our anger, which is a subtler level. Because we've found that theoretically we don't want anger, but once it starts swelling, we are very much seduced into it. And we are not thinking of getting rid of it. Actually, we want it. We find um, some identity there. We find some excitement there. We, we, we find some energy, some whatever, uh, flame, some big illusion, but very strong. So once we've seen, and this is very frequent, 
But once we've begun to see this, then right effort starts, when we start to apply right effort to the mindfulness of this attachment, rather than to, let's say, the, the fruit, which is anger. We apply right effort and right mindfulness to this subtle level. And so from understanding, we get uh, energy to continue the work. We get unstuck. We know how to continue. And we have more energy and motivation to apply right effort. Sometimes we don't have this kind of insight. Huh? Because this is an important insight. Haha, I don't want anger, but this is not true. I actually want my anger. Sometimes it's not that easy, quote unquote, easy. For instance, uh, we uh, realize that we can be envious, and we honestly don't want our envy. And yet, we see that we keep falling into this envious pattern. Like, suppose we are athletes and uh, we jump, and someone jumps higher than we do, and we suffer because of that. He won, I lost. It might be helpful to see how understanding and effort work, to look at this within the, in the context of dependent origination, the doctrine of dependent origination. We just uh, um, use a, a very um, abridged version of it, of course. Um, there is something which is called contact. Contact between sense organs, including the mind, and sense objects. In this example is the seeing of that guy who jumps, who jumps higher than I do. After contact, the following link in the dependent origination is sensation, tedana, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So in our example, we have an unpleasant sensation once we've seen that wonderful jump. <laughs> and after Vedana, the following link is attachment or aversion. In our case, is envy, aversion. So after seeing, feeling, this more complex process begins, this construction which is envy. You know, there's lots of things in envy. Comparison, uh, uh, you know, despair, uh, lots of things, judgments. Now, why, uh, out of this contact, we've had uh, unpleasant Vedana and then uh, aversion. The doctrine of the dependent origination in three words says that the reason is uh, 
just before contact. And the reason it's called a consciousness which is conditioned by ignorance. Which means that whenever a contact arises, simultaneously a consciousness which is conditioned by ignorance arises and colors and influences whatever happens after the contact. Now the idea is gradually to substitute wisdom to ignorance so that when contact arises a consciousness which is conditioned by wisdom arises and colors beneficially and positively the following links. So what we can have is that we have seeing of the jump, um, maybe still unpleasant uh, sensation, but no aversion, no envy. I lost, he won, period. It's finished here. This, um, this process, this toxic construction, which is called envy, doesn't take off anymore, doesn't, doesn't uh, uh, begin anymore. Because the consciousness which has arisen with the contact is not conditioned by ignorance, is not toxic. At a deeper level, we could even have seeing pleasant sensation because we rejoice in that wonderful jump. We've already forgotten that our jump was a little bit worse. And we are so free. I, I guess this is a very deep level, of course. <laughs> but we are so free that since that jump is beautiful, we rejoice of that jump. It's called mudita. It's called sympathetic joy. And it's the opposite of envy. So if we understand that the key to change this process in a positive sense is more and more becoming familiar with our envy whenever it arises. We've done a good part of our work. If we, in other words, penetrate our envy with mindfulness, if we invade with mindfulness our state of envy, then the conditioning start to change. Then some spaciousness develops, is born within our envy. Envy starts to change, it's not the same as before. Absolutely. And this goes back into the consciousness and into having the consciousness conditioned less by ignorance, because now we are shedding a little bit of our envy. And so the circle becomes a more positive circle. Right effort is very much at stake in this work. Because we don't want to look at our envy. 
either we want to indulge into it or we want to avoid it. But entering our envy, it, for our ego is a very paradoxical suggestion, uh, very strange, but it's the royal path, it's penetrating, entering our envy, infusing with mindfulness our states of envy. We see a little result, we get a lot of energy to make an, a new effort. We avoid doing it, we have no energy. And it's a law. So that's why we need retreats, uh, sangha, studying, teachers, because there is a terrible inertia in our ego. And uh, we don't do, we don't want to do such things as entering envy. So we need a lot of support. But once we begin to do that, we see results and we want to do more and right effort develops. And happiness or more happiness or less unhappiness comes. Uh, a parallel application of right effort using the same example as this one, which in my understanding and in my experience completes the previous one, is it's more pleasant, but maybe even more difficult, and is entering the other person's joy quickly. <laughs> before the cloud of frustration or envy sets in and separates us from the other person. See, we, we um, even if we are not particularly envious, but um, in such a situation of competition, and it doesn't have to be a sport competition, in many situations in life, there is a long habit of staying cut off from the other person because of the comparison. But if we just try to remind ourselves that this other human being in this moment is happy, that happiness does something to us, okay, but it's happiness. So if we manage somehow to, to visit that happiness, to touch that happiness, this is the beginning of mudita, of, of um, um, sympathetic joy. Not as a, something natural, but as an exercise. And I personally find it helpful. So on the one hand, using the same example, marinating with our envy, and on the other hand, trying not to miss the other person's happiness. They go together, and uh, 
right effort is absolutely essential because we don't to do we don't want to do either we don't want to cook with our envy and we don't want to enter the other person's happiness two very wholesome very healthy thing we don't want to do there is this word in buddhism kusala Kusala means what is good, what is healthy, what is uh, uh, helpful, what is true. So these two things are very kusala, but we prefer akusala, we, we prefer things which are not wholesome. The right effort and, and, and wisdom. And compassion, because see, mudita is sympathetic joy. Now, sympathy is same as compassion. It's being together, suffering together, rejoicing together. Are very much linked. Just, just think of the way the Buddha phrased, or one of the ways in which he phrased right effort, he said there are four great endeavors. Preventing negative states from arising. Preventing what is not kusala to arise. Number one. Number two, uprooting the negative states once they've arisen. Number three, promoting, developing positive mind states. And number four, maintaining, sustaining, keeping positive states. Now this is a definition of right effort, but it's obviously a definition of wisdom. Just imagine living according to these four, uh, um, uh, to these four injunctions, and imagine having become very skillful in doing this: preventing, approving, promoting, maintaining. With less and less effort, on the one hand and more and more right effort, on the other hand. I think this is a very good life, the wise life, the compassionate life, the life which is uh, hinged, hinged on, on right effort. The Buddha said, um, I teach suffering and the end of suffering. But as a, a Western Zen master says, Charlotte Chokobek, she said, I've talked to many, many people, but I've seen that only a few understand suffering. I think we are here to get a better understanding of suffering and a better understanding of the instruments 
to reduce our suffering, our personal suffering and our uh, fellow human being suffering. So uh, this is one more reason uh, for me to like retreats, as last night I was saying. Sometimes we all know that they can be a nuisance, um, but their value in understanding right effort, right understanding, right intention is very great. So may, may this retreat uh, continue in, in, in depth and uh, may this retreat give uh, very good fruit to all of us. Thank you.